Jesus. Because over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about some questions uh, that if you've been here before, you might have heard us discuss them. If you're new, then it's, a ref- it's like brand new to you, and that's great. But it's kind of a refresher to the rest of us because we need to remember, why do we serve Jesus? Why are we so adamant about Jesus? Why do we gather together and worship? Why do we give him back part of our money? Why do we serve him? Why, does, why do our lives change whenever we dedicate ourselves to Jesus? Why Jesus? So we're, we're going to cover some questions. And today we're going to cover a question, the origin question right? Where did we come from? How did we get here? What are we not necessarily made of because we understand what we're made of, right? We're made of dirt, right? So, but where did we come from? How did we get here? The origin question, isn't that the question that amongst circles, that's the one question that never really has a definitive answer, Matter of fact, I could ask you to raise your hands and I would guarantee just in a group this size that we'll have multiple different answers of where we came from. Some of you are going to say, well, God created us, which you should. That's great. Some of you are going to believe in like the Big Bang Theory or evolution, right? Let me just say real quickly about evolution, Brother Greg. I've had family members hang by their neck, but never a family member hang by a tail. Never. So I I don't know. And evolution is moving into the Christian world. Some of you guys will get that later. But evolution is moving into the Christian world. They even call it theistic evolution now, saying that God was in control, but he kind of let things form the way they are. Well, I'm just wondering. I see some people walking around. They've not evolved yet. I'm wondering what's wrong. (laughs) I mean, there's some of you in here. They're laughing about it. But um, I I just, so we're going to talk about the origin question and try to figure it out. It, it makes me think about this story, this atheist who was out walking around and he, he was in Yellowstone National Park and he was walking around and just admiring the beauty of everything. Now creation speaks of God if you're willing to open your eyes, but if you're not willing to open your eyes, you just kind of walk around, right? And so he's walking around. He's like, man, these trees and it's awesome how all of this stuff just kind of came together. Well, he's walking, he heard some steps, he turned and looked behind him. There's a seven-foot grizzly bear back there behind him. And, well, he started picking up his pace, right? Because everyone knows a seven-foot grizzly bear is going to have lunch. So he's picking up his pace, and he's running, and he looks back, and, well, that bear is catching up. He's running faster, he looks back again, the bear is, like, right there. And he looks back one more time, and as he does, he trips and stumbles. As he falls, he cries out. Oh, God. And you know, in that moment, everything froze. And the light came and God looked down at him and said, now you want to cry out to me? Through everything else, you've taught people, you've argued with people that I did not exist. And now, oh, now you want to cry out to me. And the atheist said, well, I would be quite the hypocrite if I said I believed in you right now. So I'm not going to believe in you, but God, I would ask that you make this bear a Christian. And at that moment, everything started to move again. He looked up at the bear and the bear stopped. He put his hands together. He said, thank you, Father, for this meal I'm about to eat. (laughs) Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny that there is no atheist in a foxhole? 
When life comes down to it, the first thing people do is cry out to God. But they run around all day screaming and doing everything they want against God. But when things get bad, people cry out for God. I wonder how many of you guys do the same thing. See, an atheist is just someone who says no to God. The Bible says in Psalms 14, I believe it's verse 1, the fool hath said, the King James Version, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Well, there is in the King James is italicized. What's that mean? Well, it means if it's italicized, it wasn't in the original language. They put it there because we can't read like they read. So actually the verse would read, the fool hath said in his heart, no God. Not there is no, but no God. How many of us have said no to God? Now, every one of us should have raised our hand because at some point in your life, every one of us have said no to God. Some of us just said no to God as the offering was taken up. See, we, we go through all of this and we ask Jesus why. The question is, are you willing to hear the answer that he has for you today? See, if we can get the foundational point that Jesus answers the question of the origin of where you come from, then isn't it fair to say that we should obey everything he says? Is that a fair assumption? Now, I know many people are going to be like, well, you're just going to use the Bible. I am today because that's what I have. You're, we gathered as a church, so I'm going to use the Bible. But you can back up if you want and go to history. I've got some books in my office that will show you that Jesus was a historical figure, a man who really walked and talked on earth. Matter of fact, there's a book in my office written by Josephus who records over 500 people saw this man Jesus walk after he was murdered. There's other religions that speak about Jesus. In the religions, not calling him the son of God like we do, but they do speak of him. The Quran, the Muslim Bible speaks of Jesus. They speak of his immaculate conception. They speak of his, his life and healing people and all the miracles that we read about, they read about them. They speak of him being crucified for blasphemy. And yet they speak of him being raised by God three days later. Now that's someone who doesn't believe in Jesus the way we do. Okay. So if you've got your Bible, open your Bible. We're going to read a very familiar passage. It's in your notes, just in case you don't have it. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and the Bible says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in darkness, and yet darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He witnesses to testify about the light. Oh, sorry. He, wit he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him. He gave them the right, the right 
to be the children of God to those who believe in his name. Father God, we, we thank you for this day, and God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your perfectly preserved word, and Father, we ask right now, God, that you'll open it up, Father, that you'll show us things that maybe we've missed. Father, that you'll show us exactly who Jesus is. Answer the question for us, where did we come from? Answer the question of our origin. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Isn't your origin one of those things that we all want to know about? My kids ask me all the time, Dad, what are we? What do you mean, what are we? Well, Dad, what are we? Are we, are we Irish? Are we German? Are we Scottish? Are we Dutch? We're not Dutch because we spend money. We're not like Norm. So uh, we're not Dutch. <laughs> but what, what are we? That's the question we all have. It's an origin question. You asked your parents that when you were growing up or your parents talked about your heritage, right? So it's a common question we have about what part of the world do we come from. Today, we're not going to answer what part of the world you come from because I really don't know except for Norm. I don't know what part of the world you guys come from. Today, we're going to answer the question of the origin. Who is or who created us? How did we come to be. You've heard me say, maybe if you've been here before, that without Jesus Christ, you're just a bunch of walking dirt bags. And well, where do I get that? Well, in the book of Genesis, chapter one, it says, chapter two, it says that God took the dust of the ground and it gives us a picture that God actually used his hands and he took the dust of the ground and he formed it. Now, we say, well, God did that. Well, actually, the Bible says he spoke the world into existence. So if he spoke, according to John chapter we just read, right? John chapter one says, in the beginning was the word. Well, who was the word? Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. So number one in your notes is Jesus had the key role in creation because we find that God spoke the world into existence. So if he spoke the world into existence, he spoke it with Jesus. Jesus created us. Jesus formed us. I mean, it's kind of like, does anyone like to play with Play-Doh? I can't stand it. It's the worst stuff in the world. If you ever give my kids Play-Doh or slime, we're going to talk. So, I mean, I just don't, it's, most of the time it's okay, but it's kind of gooey and it's, I just don't like it. It gets in your carpet. Carpet. You step on it, you, I mean, it's like Legos, right? They're the devil's toys. Um, so, but Play-Doh, have you ever taken Play-Doh? Like I, I had an art class in high school and they tried to get me to learn to make a, a, a vase thing, right? With a, a mud wheel thing and it spun around. You had to put your hands on it and I just didn't enjoy that. It was, it was just yucky to me. I just didn't like it. And so... But that's the same picture that God wants us to get from Jesus forming us. He formed us. The Bible even goes on to tell you in in the book of Psalms that after Adam and Eve were formed from the dust of the ground, that Jesus knits you in your mother's womb. Any knitters in here? Crocheters, cross-stitchers. I think that's all the stuff that like has a needle. But sewing, uh, it's, it's very, very specific, very intricate, right? As you're knitting, as you're doing. So God knit you 
in your mother's womb. Jesus knit you. And I'm going to use God and Jesus kind of back and forth, not intentionally to mess, mess with you just because that's what it happens. But Jesus knit you together because the Bible tells us here in John chapter 1 that nothing was created apart from him. And everything was created for him. So we have to ask ourselves, well, if Jesus created us and we're all created for him, why? Why? To bring him glory. It's kind of like if you walk out to go get in your car when we're done here. You know that there was a creator, right? There had to have been somebody who made that automobile because it just didn't come together. Reminds me of a story about Sir Isaac Newton. Sir Isaac Newton had this almost not a life-size model, but it was a, a pretty grandiose model of the solar system that they knew about at that time. It had sprockets and it had pins. And I mean, this thing just had the sun in the middle and everything just spun and twisted and turned. Well, he had an agnostic friend come over one day and the friend looked at that and it's all spinning. And the friend looked at that and said, well, who made that? Isaac Newton, without even looking up, said, nobody. And the friend said, nobody? What do you mean nobody made that? Look at that. Somebody, somebody put that th thing together. Nope, nobody made it. It just all kind of came together by accident. The sprockets were there and the pins were there and the planets just landed on it. Nobody ever made that. It just kind of happened. Well, his friend kind of walked off scratching his head. Do you think Isaac Newton made, the, made his point? It's like those people who think the solar system just kind of happened. The Big Bang Theory, right? Bang! And it all just showed up right where it was supposed to. See, Jesus had to intricately place things everywhere. And see, when you have the answer to that and you understand that Jesus had the key role in creation, it's like the architect, right? If you ever built a house, if you've never built a house or seen a house built, you, you, you probably won't grasp this. But if you been in construction or watched the house go up, you understand that there are certain ways things happen. Doug, you don't, put the, you don't build the roof before you do the foundation, do you? Because if you build the roof before you do the foundation, it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, I've never, I've seen them build walls on the ground and stand them up. I've never seen them build a roof on the ground, completely deck it, shingle it, everything, and then grab it and lift it up and put it on top of the house. That might be something we ought to try. Uh, you and Bill get together and try that. Let me know. We'll see you guys in a couple years. Uh, You'll be rich. If you pull it off, you will be. Uh, insurance companies will love you. Um, so we, we have to grasp the fact that Jesus had the key role in creation. The Bible tells us that it was all created by God speaking it. In John, it tells us who God spoke, that Jesus is the word. You know that Bible that you hold in your hand or on your phone or even the one in your notes right now? That is the living word. That is Jesus. Jesus came as a man to walk around the earth as the living word. As a picture of God himself walking around for us. Number two, all creation points to, to Jesus. I mean, all creation, point. You, you think of anything you want. Let, let's stay on the house theme. Let's stay on the house theme. We're building a house out of wood. Did you know that wood points to Jesus? He said, well, no, really, it points to the lumber mill. No, it points back to Jesus because that wood had to come from what? 
Some of you are awake on this side. Uh, it had to come from a tree. Well, how did the tree show up? It just kind of mysteriously appeared, didn't it? You know, have you ever seen a pond dug out in the middle of nowhere? And so they fill it up with water, like, and there's nothing in it. And then you go back, and there's tadpoles in it. Matter of fact, some of our retention ponds, if, if it rains enough, you can go out to them and there's tadpoles in them. The, well, the turtle crawled there, but the tadpole. So you ask yourself, well, what are the tadpoles there for? Well, that's God's next creation, right? Or not, or that's the next wave of mankind, right? That makes sense, right? It's either God's next creation in, in tadpoles. He created them and there they are, or... It's the next wave of mankind by accident. They showed up in my pond and we're going to fill the church up with a bunch of people with tails. Amen. <laughs> See, all creation has to point back to Jesus because everything that happens, the clothes that you have on, the clothes that you have on, synthetic or otherwise, cotton, they, they were created How? from things that Jesus created and gave man the wisdom and knowledge to put together and bam, we've got clothes. We're not walking around in fig trees anymore. It's kind of like that young kid that was at church camp. Anyone ever gone to church camp? I could tell you some stories about church camp. Okay, it's not all church, but it's all camp. So it's like the kid that went to church camp and they're all messing around, playing around and the counselor is some college kid and the college kid is trying to do the best he can to answer all these questions and hey, what is this and what is that and what is this and he's doing everything he can to answer those questions. Now, he's from the city streets of Chicago. He ain't got a clue what a tree is, right? But he's trying to answer them all. Well, the kids get into some poison ivy. The counselor gets into some poison ivy too. Well, they get back to the camp, and by the time they get back, I mean, they've got a bad case of poison ivy. It's, I mean, all over them, and they're talking to the nurse, and they're giving them calamine lotion, and they're getting it all over them, right? And one of the kids looks at the counselor and says, hey, since you're so smart, and you're the counselor, God created everything, right? And the counselor, yes, he did, yes, he did. The little boy looks at him and says, then why did God create poison ivy? And before the counselor could answer, the little girl sitting over off the side opened her mouth and said, hey, he created poison ivy so we'd learn to keep our cotton-picking hands off of stuff. Amen. Everything has a purpose. I'm not I think that has to be the only purpose for poison ivy. I don't know another purpose. I know when I see it, I say, don't touch that. Right? Or if they like to touch things all the time, I say, go ahead and grab a hold of that. Grab a hold of that. See, everything that we deal with points back to Jesus in some form or some fashion. The chairs that you're sitting in, they point back to Jesus rather than quit playing with the keys. He points back to Jesus. I don't know how, but he does. Uh -huh. All right, number three. Jesus's life was proof of his power over creation. What did Jesus do in his life? I mean, what, what was so special about Jesus's life? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
If you fast forward in the book of John, you'll find the, the first miracle Jesus ever performed, right? He took water and turned it into wine. Well, that's kind of neat, isn't it? So that Jesus agrees with drinking and getting drunk. It's not what I said. I said he took water and turned it into wine. It was called new wine, which meant it hadn't fermented yet, which meant you could have drank all of that you wanted and never gotten a buzz, right? You just had to go to the bathroom a lot. So he did that. What else did he do? Well, Jesus took a lame man who had been crippled all his life, and he just simply grabbed a hold of him, and the man stood up and walked. Well, that's pretty cool, but maybe they, maybe they didn't realize that he was really hurt. Maybe he'd been getting strength. He'd been, you know, laying there on that mat doing rehabs and, you know, stretching his legs out and, you know, getting his strength back up. And when Jesus showed up when he was 30-something and grabbed him, maybe he just, uh, you know, maybe he just was already strong enough he stood right up. That's fair, right? That's fair. Um, what about blind Bartimaeus? Right? The man who Jesus took mud and he, he spit in it. Right? And then he, well, he had to have water. Right? I mean, so he spit in the mud and he wiped it on his eyes. And then he said, go wash and then show yourself to the priest. What about him? Well, maybe he wasn't really blind. Right? Maybe he just had some stuff caught in his eyes and the mud helped wash it off. That's fair. Right? What about the other guy? You know the other guy I'm talking about, right? The other guy, the one that Jesus was off lollygagging, doing whatever he wanted, and his, some of his friends came and said, hey, Jesus, you know your buddy Lazarus? He's dying. He's sick. He's going to die. And Jesus, instead of jumping up, because if he was God, he'd jump up and run right to him, right? So instead of jumping up and running right to him, he waits. And why does he wait? He waits three days. Why does he wait? Well, in three days, they find out that Lazarus is he's dead right the Bible even says that as they get there they tell Jesus not to open the tomb because number one he's dead number two he stinks right because if you've been dead three days rigor mortis is long set in they didn't embalm people like we think nowadays guys so they just kind of wrapped them up and stuck them away they put some herbs and stuff on the cloths but it really didn't do much to like mask the, the real smell so he stunk. They knew he was dead. Right? There's no question now. Lazarus is dead. Jesus looks and says, hey, move the stone. What, Jesus, you don't want to go in there. He stinks. Jesus, I know you've been, well, you've been with these 12 guys. And yeah, I mean, I know how guys are. Right? They don't shower but every four or five days. And they, they, you know, if they eat the wrong thing, they stink. I understand that. But Jesus, this guy stinks. Jesus, this guy is dead. Jesus says, move the stone. So he moves the stone and he cries out and he says, hey, come on out. Well, he didn't say that. He said, Lazarus, come on out. And here come this mummy walking out of this tomb. And he says, take the grave cloths off because he's alive and well. Now, Jesus proved that he was the creator, that he had the power over creation then. Even if you don't believe all the other ones. He took a dead man that was dead three days. Why three days? Because in Jewish custom, you had to be dead three days to be really dead. Right? I mean, it's just what it, they wanted to make sure that you were really dead. That you weren't faking it. You weren't in a coma. You weren't whatever. Three days meant that you were really dead. 
So he waited three days because he wanted to prove who he was. So here he shows up, power over creation, moves the stone, cries out and says, Lazarus, come forth, tells him to unwrap him. And we see Lazarus later eating dinner with him, hanging out with him because Lazarus really is alive. That's power over creation. And you know what? Jesus knew the power he had. That's why he called Lazarus by name. And he didn't say, hey, just come forth. Because if he'd said, come forth, they'd all been coming. Can you imagine being the caretaker in the graveyard that day? Be like the caretaker in the graveyard when the rapture happens. Right? You out there mowing the grass, trimming the trees, trying to clean a headstone. And all of a sudden they open up. They open up, I'm laying down. See, Jesus had power over creation. And yet, yet, we struggle with the fact that Jesus can help our circumstances. He caused the blind man to see. He healed the lame man, caused him to walk. He rose a man from the dead, which he did in two instances, and some say maybe a third. Jesus did all of these miracles. His life proved who he was. And he tells us in his word as he goes to heaven, these things that I have done, you will also do, but you will do greater. Does that mean you got the power to go to the graveyard and raise someone from the dead? No. Get over it. You don't have that power. But you know what? You can be a, you can be a dead raiser all day long because the Bible says that people walk around dead in their trespasses and sins. And when you share Jesus with them, they're brought to a new life. They're born again. So you can do great things just as Jesus has done. You just have to trust that he's got that power. Fair enough. Number four, and we're almost done, believe it or not. This is not a trend, though, just so you know. I just want to make sure that you understood. Um, you can find rest in Jesus. You can find rest, the rest that you need in Jesus. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter the rest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. You can have rest in Jesus, but there's got to be a, an amount of faith that goes with that because you can say, oh, I'm going to rest in Jesus, but you don't really believe who he is. You're not really trusting him with everything. I would say, if I ask you to raise your hands right now, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Probably 99.9% .9 of the people in here are going to whether they really believe it or not. Because you don't want to be the odd man out. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you to answer that question in your heart. Now, if you've answered that question, you answered yes. Isn't it fair to say that Jesus can take care of all our problems. Is it fair to say that if there are problems that we have that we don't feel like Jesus is working in, does that mean that he's not working? It just means that he's working in a different way than what you think he should be working. Why is that? Because his thoughts are above your thoughts. His ways are beyond your ways, right? Has anyone ever had someone, and I know we have, 
I ask this rhetorically. Has anyone ever had someone who was sick and you prayed for them to get better? And they didn't get better, they passed away. Did you know they got better? I just gave Dee a hug this morning as I was walking in. And so Dee and I were talking and uh, Dee said, I still miss him. And she, understandably so, Audie, her son passed. And so she misses Audie, I understand that. His friend George is right next to Miss Dee. George misses Audie, I understand that. But we prayed that he would get better. We prayed that he wouldn't be stuck in a bed. We prayed that he would have no more pain. And if we trust in Jesus, we have to believe he did that. See, Audie got the perfect peace. He got the perfect rest because he had faith and he believed in Jesus Christ. See, you can find that same type of rest. I'm not saying you have to die today, okay? You can, I had to clarify that. Uh, you can find that same type of rest in Jesus, but it takes not just belief, but faith. You say, well, is there a difference? Yes, the Bible says that the demons believe and they tremble. They know that God is who he said he is. They know for a fact that he's going to do everything he has said, but they don't have faith in him. They've not been willing to trust him, to turn their lives over to him. Guys, I'm convinced there are a lot of Christians who think that they're born again, bought by the blood of Jesus. And we believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. We believe that he's the son of God. We believe that he died on the cross of Calvary for us. But we've never truly turned our life over to him and said, here you go. We want to hold back because we're not sure that he's capable of doing everything that we need. God help you get up this morning. God, has God ever met a need for you that was just a simple, like you, you wouldn't think it was much, just a, just a little simple thing. Like I lost my keys. I lose my keys a lot. I have little tile things on my keys that ring now so I can find them. Um, that's a sign of age. Age or children, one or the other. But so I, I lost my keys and this was before the tile thing happened. And we could not, the other set of keys, we knew where they, they were. The other set of keys were locked in our van. That's a good place for them, right? So they were locked in our van, but we lost our, our set of keys. And we're like, we're praying, asking God, God, we need to find these keys because the other set's in the van and we can't get it. And I'll break the window if I have to, but I really don't want to. And so back and forth, back and forth, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And then all of a sudden, we had somebody in this room call us and we were talking to them and they said, hey, we have AAA. We'll call AAA and have them come over and unlock your van for you. So they did. They come over, unlocked our van. We got our set of keys. And you know what? I continue to pray asking God for those other keys because you want two sets of keys, especially when you have seven kids. You want two sets of keys. And it was days later, I remember walking around and I found the other set of keys. And I'm like, thanks, God. That was kind of late. And then I had to stop and reflect and remember that, you know what? He answered the prayer immediately with having someone come unlock the van for me. And then he still answered the other prayer and showed me where the keys were later. Those are just small things. So if he's going to take care of the small things, why won't he take care of the big ones? 
Like, you're trusting him for salvation. And that's a big, big, big thing, right? I mean, it's so big, it took Jesus like this to be able to fit it in. So if he's willing to take care of that for you, why wouldn't he take care of your food problem, your finance problem, your work problem, your relationship problem, your health problem? He will, we just have to find that rest in Jesus and trust that he's going to do that. January 5th, 2020. I almost said 2019, but 2020. You have an opportunity this year to rest in Jesus and trust him with the small things and the big things because we understand that he is the creator. And if he created us, he'll take care of all the rest. But ultimately, it's your choice. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. Not to me, but to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to him that this year, this year things are different for you. Maybe you've served Jesus for a long time, but this year you're going to serve him more. You're going to step out and do things that you never thought you would do. This year, it's going to be different for you. Maybe you've come today and you don't even know Jesus Christ. You've never walked that aisle. You've never prayed the prayer. You've never done. And let me just say, I walked the aisle three different times. I prayed the prayer three different times and none of that saved me because it took belief and faith to finally save me. But maybe you're that person that's never stepped out because you have all of these questions and no one's ever answered your question. Maybe you're that person. And today you're thinking, you know what? I kind of, you know, I, I don't know everything I need to know. Neither do I. But I'm willing to trust him and just put my faith in him. Maybe you're that person. If you're that person... I want to pray for you in just a moment. I want to ask God to do something in your life this year that will bring you closer to him, that will bring you into a relationship with Jesus Christ, because that's what it's all about, guys. It's not about, a rela it's not about religion. It's not about a bunch of rules. If you look at our sign, it says, come belong, maybe, or come belong, eventually believe, and maybe behave. And we want you to just come belong. Come get those questions answered. And then eventually you're going to believe as he answers your questions. And then maybe, even maybe, you'll learn to behave down the road. But I want to pray a prayer over you and then I'm going to dismiss. And I'm going to be up here up front for a little while after. So if you've got any questions, if you want to talk, if you want me to pray for you, specifically I'd love to do that. If you need to sit in your seat and just pray by yourself for a while, you're free to do that. No one's going to rush you out of here. You might miss out on the food if you stay too long, but no one's going to rush you out. But make this year different than last year was. Start this year out different because you understand who the creator is and all the power that he has in creation. Father God, we, we come before you, Father, just awestruck at who you are awestruck at creation itself and God that you would love your creation enough 
Father, to send the Creator down to be born as a baby for us. And Father, first I pray for those, Father, who have never trusted you, who've never had that relationship with you. God, I pray that this year would be different. God, I pray that you would put people and places and circumstances, Father, in their path, that, Father, they'll see you and, Father, eventually come to trust you. Father, I pray for those who call themselves your children. Father, as we read this morning that if we believe in Jesus Christ and trust in him, he's given us the right to be called the children of God. God, I pray for them today, Father. I pray that they would make an eternal impact in someone's life today. Father, as they go about their different ways, Father, that they will share Jesus Christ and, Father, touch people in a different way. Father, we understand that all we are are appointment setters. Father, we don't, we don't save anybody. But, Father, we can introduce them to the Holy Spirit. We can introduce them to you. And, Father, you can do all the saving. Father, make this year 2020. Make it a different year for us. Father, as we step out boldly to proclaim you and look for the next one, God, I pray that our prayer would always be, Father, where's the next one? Where's the next one? Father, bring us into contact with people who need to know that you love them, who need to know, Father, that you came for them. Father, not the perfect people, because we understand perfect people think they don't need Jesus. Father, we want to find all the people that are jacked up and busted up. Father, the, the drug addicts, the alcoholics, the, the, the people who have just ruined their lives. God, we want to find those people, because God, those are the people you came for. So, Father, I pray that you help us to find the bro broken and busted up people, the jacked up people, as we go from here today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Not a trend, so don't get used to it. Don't turn that on. Now you can turn it off.